Well, hello and Merry Christmas to you. If you celebrate Christmas, of course, if not, then just ignore that. We've got some interesting stuff on today's show for you. A woman who was kicked off an airplane, some uh, disturbing statistics, and uh, and some good news too, because you know, it's it's the Christmas spirit, right? We got to be cheerful. Here we go. You're part of the law enforcement family. This is your show. Here we talk about all things Leo family life. The good, the bad, the funny and the sad, and everything in between. All right, guys. So um, let's just start on a on a entertaining note here. So I got a story for you out of... Um, uh, law enforcement today. If you don't subscribe, you really should. <sighs> Where do I begin here? So I, I think the best way just to begin is just to read the headline too, okay? Uh, so the report, woman in trouble for being caught breastfeeding on a plane, but it wasn't a baby that was eating. So, you know, if I had people in here, we'd, we'd play a little game, a, a guessing game of uh, what do you think she was feeding? And, and my first guess before I, I read the, the story, my first guess was I was like, I don't know, her boyfriend, her husband. That's probably what she was doing. Right. Um, no, no. If that was your guess as well, you, you would have been wrong. And for those of you who know this story, don't tell. Uh, you ready for it? Here we go. So a woman on a flight from Syracuse, New York to Atlanta, Georgia, is allegedly in trouble for a very odd reason. She was caught breastfeeding her cat mid-flight. Yes, yes, you heard right. She was breastfeeding her cat. Once she was busted, the woman refused to stop, according to those who were on the plane. So she gets caught nursing her cat, and uh, she she's told to stop, and she declines. Are you getting the visual that I'm getting? I mean, I'm I'm picturing this and I don't want to be picturing this, but I am. And um and now, yeah, I can't get the the image out of my head and I'm sorry if I've done the same for you. Uh let's see. So the the alleged incident occurred mid-flight on Delta 1360 when someone apparently noticed the bizarre incident. When the flight crew became aware, they went to address the passenger in 13A and tell her to stop what she was doing and put the cat in a carrier. Can you imagine being that flight attendant? Could you imagine, like, did they have to, like, draw the, the the short straw? Did they, like, do a rock, paper, scissors shoot as to which one of them was going to um, go up to this, this woman who's clearly insane and tell her to stop breastfeeding her cat? I, I would quit. I would quit on the spot. I would just, I would just take my seat, take off my little lapel pin there and, and be done because no, just no. Sadly, that's probably not the strangest incident on a plane for a flight attendant, I'm guessing. Um, but it's got to be up there. It's got to be up in the top, what, five, top three? Please don't tell me it's top 10. Uh, let's see what happened. Uh, so the, the woman allegedly refused. Why do we say allegedly? She refused because uh, it's the right thing to do because, you know, blah, blah, blah. The woman allegedly refused to do so and continued breastfeeding the cat. Images of the alleged incident and a picture circulated through social media by text message 
that was sent using the aircraft communication addressing and reporting system. Uh, the system is used to transmit short text type messages from pilots to the ground. <laughs> the message described what was allegedly seen from the passenger in 13A. Passenger is breastfeeding a cat and will not put the cat back in carrier. <laughs> oh, God. The message that was sent came along with a request that Delta address the incident utilizing the red coat team once the plane had reached its destination. I did not, I know nothing about the red coat team. So this is new information to me. The red coat team is described as a group of elite airport customer service experts who are specially trained to handle on the spot customer issues. Did they get training for that one? Were they trained in that? Did, did, you know, the course that they went through, uh, was that a specific drill that they had? Okay, today we're going to simulate a woman um, breastfeeding her cat on the plane. What do you do? I don't know. I, I just, um, I don't know. Uh, what do we do? I, I, it's like one of those things, like you have to laugh. You have to laugh at it because it's just so crazy. But on the other hand, you you really have to just shake your head and say, what the hell is going on in this world? It, it just gets crazier by the minute. And, and again, I know this isn't the craziest story to uh, come out of an airport. Um, I, I believe I, I remember, I remember reading something about somebody trying to bring a, a support Port peacock on a plane with them. I think it was a peacock. Maybe it was a turkey. I don't really know. Maybe it was a vulture, but I'm pretty sure it was a peacock. They was it was a support animal that uh, this person. I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but this person felt that they uh, needed to to comfort them uh, on the airplane. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just crazy. I don't even know what to say to that. Um, but you know what? Um, why don't we just move right into pardon my preach? Because I don't have anything more to say about that. It's time for pardon my preach. All right. Well, pardon my preach, but I'm going to bring up something that's already old news here. The Jussie Smollett case, which is now a done deal. Although I don't think he's been sentenced yet. Uh, it's still at this point. I think they're just hoping that we'll forget about it and move on to uh, the next big thing. Uh, and there's certainly plenty to choose from, isn't there? But uh, I, I want to go back to it just for a minute. So now I've been along with everybody else making fun of Jussie Smollett in the whole case. And the memes have been hilarious. But here's what's not funny about it. What's not funny is that this is another slap in the face to real victims, uh, victims of hate crimes, victims of any kind of assault or abuse or anything. This is such a slap in the face to these people. And that is why, you know, I don't know what the uh, penalties are for, for what he's done. I don't know what kind of uh, charges um, would be brought. Well, we already know the charges, I guess, brought against him, but um, we don't know the consequence of those charges yet. Is he going to spend any time in jail? Is he going to get a slap on the wrist? Is he going to get a fine? Um, it should be all of the above. I, I think all of the above, Every like the extreme of everything that can happen as a consequence of, of his lie, um, his very elaborate and stupid lie, by the way, the, he should suffer the consequences um, to the fullest extent. Uh, and because, and the sole reason being because of the effect that this has on uh, real victims, true victims of true crime, it makes it very hard for people to believe victims. And it's because of people like Jesse Smollett who fabricate stories. So that puts into question everyone else. Every other victim um, has to basically now prove, they have to prove that 
they were assaulted or injured or abused or any of those cases. So the whole, you know, that's a big thing, especially from the liberals. Believe you have to believe victims. Believe victims. Well, I mean, they were all showing their support for Jussie uh, right up the line, all the way up uh, to the president and vice president. Them showing their support long before all of the facts of the case were out. And I I get it. You want to, you know, if somebody's been victimized, especially horrifically. Well, I don't know. I mean, every everybody that's been victimized, that's always horrific, isn't it? You want to believe them. You want to help them and, and um, get justice for them and all of those things. And then when you find out it's a lie, that puts everything and everyone into question. I, I will tell you, I don't, I am not a person who automatically believes the victim. And, uh, you know, if that cancels me, if you cancel me for that, so be it. But uh, I stand by that. I don't, I don't just automatically believe someone when they say something. Unfortunately, you do have to prove it. And that is because of people like Jesse Smollett. So that's my preach today. Pardon my preach, but it really pisses me off and it should piss everybody off, to be honest with you. Sorry to be vulgar about it, but that's how fired up I am. And this is me controlling my my language, by the way. So you should be very impressed. I'm pretty sure I did not drop a single swear. I want I want credit. I want points for that. Hey, family, this is for those of you new to the law enforcement family or just looking for some relatable content. My book, Welcome to the Family, Life Behind the Thin Blue Line, is available on Amazon and through my website, elsacurt.com, and most major online retailers. This is a must-read survival guide for significant others new to the law enforcement family. When you become a police spouse or a significant other, you enter a world most can't imagine. The contrast can be jarring and often scary, especially in today's society. This book helps those new to the lifestyle navigate the myriad of challenges faced by Elio partners, but also shares the many joys of living life behind the thin blue line. Inside this book, you'll discover the ups, the downs, the normal and not so normal coping strategies, tips for fostering strong and healthy relationships, and even the humorous side of law enforcement family life. So pick up your copy of my Amazon best-selling book, Welcome to the Family, Life Behind the Thin Blue Line, today. So anyhow, uh, what are we going to move on to? Let's see. I want to move on to some some stuff that's not in the news today. Okay, here we go. All right, guys. So not in the news today. And this comes out of the Daily Wire. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of the Daily Wire just as much as I am of law enforcement today. I like both of them for news sources. Um, so their article is actually about three stories that the legacy media ignored. and uh, But I'm, I'm only going to address one of them um, because it is very relevant to us, to this show, Blue Family Unity. So you'll see why in just one second. So the number one story that they had there, which is one that caught my eye, was that police shooting deaths break a record high in 2021 and the year's not over. So at the time of of this reporting, I guess we'll call it, they were basing it on as of midnight on November 30th. And we have had several more loss of lives of police officers since that time already. So it's already surpassed 
what it surpassed, if that made any sense at all. Even if it didn't, that's what it did. Let's see. So I'm just going to read this part to you. In, an, in another historic Biden first, the number of police shot and killed in the line of duty reached record-breaking levels in 2021. According to the 2021 tally from the Fraternal Order of Police, as of midnight on November 30th, you ready for these numbers? 314 police officers were shot in the line of duty. 58 officers who were shot died from their wounds, and that is a 16% increase from 2019. Shooters ambushed police officers 95 times, which is a 126% increase from 2020. And uh, 119 officers were ambushed with gunfire. 28 of them died. So Patrick Yose, who's the president of the Fraternal Order of Police, said, we already had more officers killed in the line of duty by gunfire this year than any other and there's still one month left. So we're obviously we're at the um, we're at the end of December at this point. And um, and there will sadly still probably be another, if not more than one death as a result of either ambush or uh, other otherwise of police officers. So so here's the thing when um, when people and we know which people I'm talking about, when people say that there is an epidemic of police shootings, that there is a crazy amount of police. Well, they're absolutely right. But it's it's the police officers that are being killed by civilians. And let's be let's be really clear, being killed by criminals. That's an obvious statement, right? But usually a lot of times we're finding that these are criminals that have been let out uh, um, by by weak liberal judges who give them very lenient sentencings or low bail or no bail and let these repeat criminals out so that they can go back and kill more people. And wow, what a surprise not. That's exactly what they do. There's been a lot of, lot of, lot of cases fitting that exact bill. Um, so it's, it's insane. And what a surprise. The corporate corrupt media is dead silent on it. I, I think maybe we'll, we'll give them a little credit, right? We'll, we'll acknowledge that they have maybe mentioned one or two or three of these incidents in passing, uh, but definitely not national news, not headline news, not um, no, no presidential uh, cavalcade of, you know, people showing up at their funerals and speaking out on their behalf and speaking out against the, the murderers that killed them. Uh, none of that. It's actually crickets. You can hear the sound of crickets when it comes to a police officer death. And I guess you could probably figure out how I feel about that. And if you know me at all, if you know any of my TikTok videos, you know that I have quite the potty mouth and I really like to swear. So it's very difficult for me to not drop a whole bunch of expletives um, about how this makes me feel. Let's see. I'm going to read a little bit more for you. It says, uh, the New York Times did worse than ignore police shootings on November 30th. The newspaper of record updated a month-old story titled Why Many Police Traffic Stops Turned Deadly, which portrayed police as the aggressors. Yeah, I, I, I can't read anymore. I can't because uh, my blood boils. My blood boils. So our job here, part of our job here, is to correct the false narrative by sharing uh, facts. And those were some of the facts that the mainstream corporate corrupt media, or as um, uh, Daily Wire calls them, the legacy media. Uh, these are some of the things that they ignore. And um, we're we're not going to ignore it. So we're going to acknowledge that we are going to honor 
those who have died in the line of duty, serving their country and serving um, the, the communities that they work in and protecting people, uh, despite some of the opinions of those community members. And that's really frustrating to me. We have to do something about this, right? We have to make a, a big change. All right. So I am not going to get over into the headlines. And here's why. It is Christmas. And I am in that, um, I don't know, I'm in that Christmas holiday spirit. And I really just want to share some good news, some positive stories. So so let's do that. I'm heading over to uh, Police One and uh, PoliceOne.com. And I'm going to share with you some uplifting positive stories. You ready? Uh, The first one I have for you is uh, about five police officers who rush into a burning building and carry out a man in a wheelchair. Uh, The building was destroyed, but the officer's quick thinking saved the man's life. This happened in Solvay, New York. Uh, Getty's police sergeant, Michael Burrell, was the first one on scene of a fire in a longtime Solvay pizza shop Monday night. He said he heard a woman yelling that her husband was stuck in an apartment over the burning Bianchi's Bianchi's, yeah, Bianchi's Pizza Pad on Milton Avenue. She was screaming and crying in the street that her husband was upstairs. He went up the stairs to the apartment and found the man in his wheelchair. The man said he couldn't walk and didn't want to leave his cats behind. Um, Yes, that got an awe right away from me. Burrell, who had 15 years as a police officer, would need help to get the man out safely. Solvay officer Joseph Hardy parked his patrol car to block off the street and ran toward the building. He had heard on his on dispatch call calls at about 8 p.m. that there was a man in a wheelchair inside and possibly children. The smoke was flooding into the street, Hardy said. The 21-year-old has only been on the job for five months and has never been to a building fire. Three other officers arrived at the scene from the Gettys Police Department. Adam Lestrinelli, Taylor Potter, and Ryan Legacy, said John Fall, Gettys Police Chief. All officers went up the stairs and into the smoke-filled apartment. So let's hang on a second here. And let's just acknowledge the thing that needs to be acknowledged. That once again, here are the, in this case, it looks like all men, but no, one of them might be a woman. So we'll say men and women. Here we are, case of the men and women in blue running towards the danger, running towards the, in this case, a fire in a building. You know, they don't know if the building is going to collapse. They don't know, you know, where the flames are. I mean, all of these unknowns, that doesn't stop them. They run toward the danger. Their only thought is to save people. That's it, to to rescue people and save them. So I, I just want that acknowledged. I just want it said. So Hardy said... He said, I just kind of ran in there. There was smoke, but I didn't stop to think about downstairs being on fire. I mean, again, obviously point proven that this is what they do. This is what they do. Uh, Burrell wheeled the man to the stairs. Hardy grabbed one shoulder and another officer grabbed the man's other shoulder, Hardy said. Another officer grabbed the man's feet and the three carried the man down the stairs to the wife's car. Uh, By this point, the street was flooded with smoke and it was hard to see. The wife told Hardy there were no children in the building. So that's a relief. No children in the building. And um, let's see. I know we need to check if we got the cats out. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. I don't see it. I'm I'm like trying to read really fast for you here. It doesn't say, but we're going to assume that the cats got out fine. So yeah, so there is one lovely uplifting story about one of the, um, the, the wonderful things that police officers do. Let's see what else. 
I know we have more for you. Uh, here's a nice one. Actually, they're all nice. All right. This is actually really sweet. Uh, a South Carolina police officer gets a surprise reunion with a little girl he saved in 2019. Young McKenna De La Rosa and her mom surprised Officer Jared Riley with a heartwarming reunion. Uh, this is in uh, North Charleston, South Carolina. A police officer was reunited with a girl he saved from choking two years ago in South Carolina. Officer Jared Riley was greeted in North Charleston City Hall with a hug from McKenna De La Rosa and her mom, according to photos shared December 16th on Facebook by the North Charleston Police Department. Police said Riley was driving on Dorchester Road in North Charleston on October 9th when he saw a car driving erratically with the driver honking her horn. He was about to conduct a traffic stop when he noticed a woman in the passenger seat looking frantic with a toddler in her arms. He was, a uh, before I put my car in park, the mom and the passenger jumped out of the car and was running back to my vehicle screaming, my child can't breathe, she can't breathe. Riley gets me choked up, uh, Riley told the uh, the newspaper. And then I just relied on my training at that point. Uh, McKenna, 19 months old at the time, was choking on food. Riley performed CPR and applied several chest thrusts to the infant's back with the heel of his hand to remove the dislodge or dislodge the object. Police said Riley successfully cleared McKenna's airwaves, airways and she became more alert and responsive. Two years later, McKenna and her mom surprised Riley for a heartwarming reunion. Uh, very sweet. You can see these pictures here are just uh, absolutely lovely. And thank God for him, really. Um, they, God knows what would have happened. Another heartwarming story that brings me joy, and I hope that brought you joy as well. And how about one more? Let's do one more. I'm going to do a sweet one. Let's do a sweet one. This is actually kind of cute. This is very cute. NYPD, the 2022 canine calendar features emotional support dogs for the first time. See, Jenny and Piper have been on the job for less than a year and they're already stars. Jenny and Piper, golden retrievers who are among new NYPD's first emotional support canines are featured in the 2022 calendar celebrate, celebrating animal members of the force. The calendar typically features canines that sniff for drugs, bombs, or chemical weapons. But Jenny and Piper's job is to detect stress. And they simply be there. They simply then, oh, <laughs> then simply be there to provide empathy for an officer involved in a shooting or other traumatic incident. So this is actually, you know, this is really special and amazing. And, and the reason why I think so is because um, we try and draw a lot of attention, a lot more focus on the uh, PTSD and emotional trauma and stress of the job for law enforcement officers and the need, the absolute need for better support for police officers um, who are dealing with with trauma from the job and stress from the job. And, you know, all these movements to defund the police and take away their resources and all those things. You know, I'm, I'm going to state the obvious once again, that if you want the best officers, if you want the best men and women for the job, you have to treat them with the understanding that they are seeing and doing things that the average person never, ever deals with. I mean, we deal with, uh, I think it was like, I don't know, six to eight traumatic incidents in a lifetime, which is, you know, which is enough. That's plenty. Uh, but police officers can deal with up to 800 in a year or in a career. And that's insane. 
when you think about it, and what I mean by traumatic incidents or uh, critical incidents, um, you know, murders, suicides, car accidents, violence, abuse, you name it, everything under the sun, they are firsthand, either firsthand witnesses or involved in some way, shape or form. And they need support. I mean, you hear all these people talking about their their things that make them feel anxious and everything. And, um, you know, somebody was mean to them and they need therapy now. You know, when you make the comparison, I know you shouldn't compare. Everything's relative, blah, 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 all that crap. But um, the, the fact is, is the things that our law enforcement officers, our first responders are dealing with are so beyond the pale, so beyond comparison of what the average person deals with in a lifetime. It is insane that it's not an automatic that they get regular care and help for for stress and uh, management of that. So things like this are a really great sign. There's a lot of programs out there that um, that are offering assistance and help, and not just medication. You know, I, the answer to everything in, in this society is medicate, medicate, medicate. And, and I'm glad to see that there are a lot of people out there that are pushing for alternatives, healthy alternatives for management of stress and trauma and uh, all of those things. So I do hope that our police officers are getting access to to that. But this is really sweet. This is nice. I like that they have these emotional support dogs. I mean, if, if you're a dog person, you know how great they are, even when they're being terrible. Like I have three we have three dogs and one of them, our youngest one, is an absolute terror. She's just, she's a monster. We So her name's Lola and we're going way off track here, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, her name's Lola. Uh, all three of my dogs are Shih Tzus. And Lola is a, a monster. And had we known she was going to be such a beast, we actually would have named her Karen um, because she is the Karen of all Karens. We've taken to calling her Karen lately. And Karen is, is Lola slash Karen is constantly on the verge of calling the manager on everyone. Um, she is crazy. And uh, yeah, but I still love her. She still brings us tons of joy and <laughs> we wouldn't, we wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, maybe a, a little bit calmer would be good. That would be nice. Maybe if she stopped attacking our feet all the time, that would be great too. Um, but still we love her and we'll keep her. So yeah, there's my little segue uh, story. It has nothing to do with these emotional support dogs because Lola slash Karen does nothing to emotionally support anyone, including herself. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. So those are our stories for, for today. I wanted to give you some nice, happy, cheerful stories for, uh, for the holiday here. See you next week. You're part of the law enforcement family. This is your show. Here we talk about all things Leo family life. The good, the bad, the funny and the sad, and everything in between. The Blue The Blue Family Unity Show was created, written, and produced by Elsa Kurt. Music written and produced by Dan Tracy. If you would like to be a guest on the Blue Family Unity Show, contact bluefamilyunity at gmail.com.